to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World here in 2020, the year of perfect vision. As we bring you these programs Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., streaming live at news, uh, newspress.com as well as at richarddugan.com. And we also podcast these programs at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, as well as many other locations. And we certainly hope that you will listen to the podcast because that's where you're going to get the most information. We only get 50 minutes of time here on the program, on the radio, to share with you our guests, their philosophy, their ideas, their concepts, their materials, their website, all of the good things. But we want you to go to their website, but we also want you to listen to the podcast because sometimes, if our guests give us the time, we go beyond that 50-minute mark, and sometimes we might go an hour and a half. I've had a couple of interviews that have done that, and we just keep on talking about what's important to them, and uh, and we're going to do that hopefully with our guest today. And we also encourage you to go to our missions page, if this is the first time you've listened to our program, to read as well as hear what we're all about. And if you like what we're doing and it resonates with you and like you would like to support the work that we are doing, we are gratefully appreciative to those who have and those who will support us financially. Uh, and uh, if you'd like to do that, we do have a PayPal and Patreon account. Uh, I do that for security reasons. It just I just feel much better uh, doing it in that fashion. And if you can help us out, thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you have done and will do. Uh, we'll take energetic support as well because it's something that uh, that will help us through uh, uh, to to make this world a better place. Our guest today is going to talk to us about uh, seven keys to living uh, to living full out from within. Now. As you heard me say in the introduction to the program, this is 2020, the year of perfect vision. We're talking about inner vision. That's what we've been talking about as long as I've been doing this program. And uh, this year, more than ever, not because of anything that's going on in the outside world, but because of what's not going on on the inside, if you will, in the inner world of that which we all have and all are connected to, that I am encouraging you to spend some time getting to know yourself. And our guest is going to help us to do that through a work he has created, Say Yes to Life. I, I, I don't know of any better way to put it. Elliot Robertson, thank you so much for joining us and for saying yes to being on our program today. Well, I'm honored to be here. I'm delighted to be sharing this message with your community. And thanks so much for having me. Well, as I uh, as you heard me mention, this this is 2020, the year of perfect vision, and and um, it's interesting how someone uh, has asked, well, why didn't you say the year of perfect inner vision? I said because I wanted the question to come. Well, what do you mean perfect vision? And that's when the conversation begins. So I'm talking inner vision, and that's really what you're talking about as well in terms of helping people to get in touch with. Uh, their their true self, as they say, I know the the, the, the phrase their authentic self, uh, their real self, uh, getting to know who they really are. Is that one of the biggest problems that we seem to have today is that we really don't know who we are, not only not just collectively, but even as an individual? I think you nailed it. Um, I usually think in terms of just being distracted and confined and sort of in jail, uh, the jail that the monkey mind puts us in whenever the judgments are showing up. And the, the monkey mind is always um, pretty harsh and pretty limiting. 
and um, looking back at the past for uh, finding our definition, uh, which sort of limits us to um, new possibilities and new discoveries about who we are in the future. How did how did this world open up for you? You know, I was very much trapped in that jail for many years. <laughs> I was living a miserable life. I didn't really know it. Uh, you know, occasionally somebody might say to me, well, it seems like you're really miserable. And maybe, you know, if I announced that I was getting a new job and they might say, well, maybe this new job will make you happier or something like that. And whenever anybody said, you know, you're unhappy, I was like, I didn't say it, but I was thinking to myself, no, I'm not unhappy. Looking back in hindsight, I really realized that I was. Um, as a youth in New York City, I had a lot of bitterness. I would just be swimming in a pool of bitterness and jealousy. I would walk down the streets and see um, people at a nice outdoor seating uh, cafe with their friends having a nice Sunday brunch or whatever, and immediately the jealousy would show up. Or I might even go to a grocery store. Um, I was earning very little money when I was in my 20s. So I was down to my last few dollars. I needed to pick up one or two items. I might see somebody with a basket of groceries. Uh, and immediately the jealousy and the bitterness. And this is so unfair. I'm a good person. Life is really not treating me fair. All of that would just show up. So um, I, have really, I really do have firsthand experience with what the monkey mind can be like and how it can sort of like just be the entire story. It's like, you know, we have that moment of jealousy and then that's the end of the sentence and we don't really question anything else. It's like, that's the way it is. Life is unfair. Next. (laughs) But um, if I can go on with this Mm -hmm. long story. um, There was a turning point at some point and I I think it really was um, gradually I became to realize that... um, I'm, I'm the one who's responsible for my life. I just ended up having some clarity about some wonderful things I wanted to do. Just maybe not the specifics, but I just really got clarity about that feeling within me, that wish to really serve the world. I just knew that that's what I was all about. And, um, and I started, instead of saying, God, this isn't fair, I want to serve the world, and you're not, you're not giving me money to do anything, <laughs> I started noticing that, you know, I'm the one who has to take ownership. I have to stop complaining. I have to stop uh, talking to God in those ways. I have to stop saying that life has given me a bad hand, <laughs> a bad deck of cards. And um, so I just began to have some insights that just sort of dawned on me and hit me. Um, that if I wanted to live my mission statement of helping people in uplifting ways and working on a soul level, that um, the complaining just had to stop and um, I needed to start just finding ways to serve the world. I needed to be participating in that journey. Um, so anyway, the the bottom line is, is that at one point I... Uh, started to catch myself. Um, I was just walking down the street in Philadelphia um, a number of years ago. There was a really attractive guy in a business suit. I was quite sure. I just decided immediately that he was here on a business trip. But he had his boyfriend with him as well. Um, And they were an attractive couple. And immediately there was jealousy for how he had enough money to stay at that wonderful hotel and how he had a boyfriend with him and stuff. And um, I caught myself. I just noticed it. And what ended up happening was uh, just within the next hour or so, I ended up deciding to just come up with some sentence completion exercises and stuff. I ended up creating an exercise to help other people who were in the same 
uh, state of consciousness that I was, who were wrestling with the same sort of thing that I was, with bitterness and stuff. Mm. And after I wrote that, I realized, oh my goodness, I, I really can do something with this. I can send it uh, in an article in a magazine. I can write a ma- uh, magazine article, and I can include the exercise in it. And maybe some people who read the magazine will benefit from it. And sure enough, that article did go to, I sent it off to Science of Mind, and it did get published. So um, that was that was a world of difference just that ownership piece of it. There are another a couple of things that I've noticed more recently, but perhaps I can uh, share those later. Sure. You know, in our uh, Declaration of Independence here in the United States, uh, there's uh, uh, these, there are these, they're, they're referred to as inalienable rights. Uh, uh, and among them, these aren't the only three that are listed. The, they are the only three that are listed, I should say, but they're not the only three. Uh, and they are life, which you talk about these seven keys uh, to living full out from within, say yes to your to life, to your life, liberty, uh, having the the ability to you know move about freely and uh, uh, associate with who you will and and do the things you want to do and think the thoughts and say the words that are important to you to, to others and so forth. But it's that third one I always have I get I, I chuckle about because the first two are givens, you know. The, the first one is life. You have life. You have liberty. It, that's yours. But it's that third one uh, that I find uh, so funny and fascinating, the pursuit of happiness. You don't get it. You don't get to have happiness. You get to pursue it. Now, you're a happiness coach. So talk, so talk to us, uh, not necessarily from the uh, Declaration of Independence perspective, but from your perspective, is it about pursuing happiness or can we actually achieve a state of happiness? And is it a place that we want to stay indefinitely or uh, is it something that we want to allow in from time to time uh, and just kind of uh, and just let it be and then and, and so forth? You know what? I'm going to just take the liberty. Uh, speaking of liberty, <laughs> I'm going to take the liberty of sort of um, changing your question, if that's okay. Sure. I'm going to talk more about joy than about happiness. Okay. Um, happiness is such a tricky word, uh, and I do think that that might be. I never thought of it in terms of the Constitution, but I do always uh, discourage people from chasing after happiness, and, and perhaps that's the same thing as discouraging them from pr- the pursuit of happiness. I believe that if you're going to the house of happiness, to use a metaphor, and you use the front door, you just take the direct route and just go up to the front door, it's going to be stuck. It's going to resist. Um, if you go to the back door, uh, either the door of um, harmony, inner harmony, or the door of alignment, aligning with who you are and stuff like that, you're going, you're going to get in very easily. You're going to find that you are elevating your state of happiness by a notch, um, at least one notch. Um, and, I mean, of course you're, that's going to happen. The pillars of harmony include um, keeping your word or treating people with respect and, and basically things that um, build your own self-respect are one of the key ingredients to creating inner harmony. And of course, if you're increasing your self-respect, the natural fruit of that and of all of harmony uh, that comes when you fertilize the garden with harmony is going to be some more happiness. 
or some joy. Um, and alignment also bears the fruit of uh, happiness or joy. But it's not because you're setting out for getting the happiness. It's just a side effect. Um, you're really focusing on doing things that will create harmony or create alignment. Also, poise is another fertilizer. And when I say poise, I mean just having that awareness as you go throughout your day that you are at a fork in the road. There's always a choice. And so many of us just go down a path, uh, maybe by rote or routine or whatever, uh, and make choices sometimes, not really realizing that there is another happier choice that could be made. Mm. Um, well, so I really believe that we're born with joy in our hearts to sort of get at your question and that we really just need to um, allow the things that get in the way of the monkey mind and so on and so forth to not really be center stage anymore, but to allow them to be along for the journey of life. The mind has a lot of valuable stuff for us and just to be at the caboose of the train. Mm. Well, of course, uh, this is some of, something that I talk about in my book, Choices, uh, Five Steps to Life. And, uh, and it's all about that fact that we always have choices. You talked about the fork in the road. I use the analogy of <clears throat> an individual who uh, is walking along uh, this road, and it's a very, there's a very thick fog. So he has to follow the white line on the shoulder of the road in order to get to his destination. And this is the way it's been as long as he can remember. And one day he's walking along this road and suddenly the fog lifts and he sees a fork in the road. He sees another road going off to one side that he never saw before. He, did, he couldn't. How could he? Because of the fog. And so now he, ha he has the opportunity to make a decision. Do I just keep going the way I've always gone, following this white line along the shoulder? Or do I become a little adventurous and... Go over and check out this other this other path. Just, you know, see what's there. And I think that's really uh, strongly what you are sharing with people here today as we talk about Say Yes to Life. There is a movie that I was watching, and I'm trying to remember um, if it was, I believe it was uh, a Jim Carrey who starred in this movie where, and it wasn't Liar Liar. This is a different movie where he was given the opportunity. He was always saying no to things. He was always saying, no, I don't want to do this. I don't. And his life was just the same every day. You know, get up, go to work, come home, eat, go to sleep, da-da-da-da-da. And I can't remember the catalytic moment, but all of a sudden he started saying yes, literally to everything, uh, that turned his world upside down, but in a good way. And when we say yes, what is it about that word that that really does uh, um, turn our worlds? And again, I, it, as I say, turn it up, turn our worlds upside down in a good way. Is is there some magic to that word? Is <laughs> is there something really special about those three letters in that order uh, and so forth uh, that that? Uh, is so transformative? I so appreciate that question. And it's something I never really gave any thought to. But what comes to mind is maybe in some cases, 
yes, can be a synonym for embrace. Maybe I could have named the title of the book, Embrace Your Life, or Embrace Who You Are, because I think I could have said, I could have named the book also, Say Yes to Who You Are. That's the same thing in a way. Uh, it's really close to at any rate. Um, mm-hmm. The same as saying yes to life. Um, so I, there is a power in embracing and accepting uh, yourself as you are, accepting um, the cards that whatever comes your way uh, in your along the way. Um, and then right after you accept things, you can also embrace them. That's sort of pretty much the same thing as accepting. And that, that really puts you in your power. When you're resisting um, life, when you're saying no, you really are um, setting yourself up for um, being alienated, I guess, from your experience. You're, you're creating um, a resistance to participating in life, and that sort of gets in the way of celebrating and um, being glad about uh, the, the possibility of uh, accepting yourself and living full out. Hmm. We are probably going to, uh, over the course of the uh, 52 weeks in this uh, particular year, 2020, uh, drive people a little crazy, constantly talking about going within. But the reality is that we don't spend enough time doing that. We just we just don't. Uh, And uh, I, I, I am probably as guilty as anybody of not spending nearly as much time, although I will say that I have found an interesting an interesting way to connect with the divine uh, in my workaday world. Um, Teresa, of, I believe it was Teresa of Avila who said that God is amongst the pots and the pans. Now, you can rephrase that any way you want with God or the divine or the higher source or what have you. But when I am out, for example, my wife and I, we we, we purchased um, a, a truck and now that truck is pulling around a travel trailer that we're able to go and go places and camp and, and this kind of stuff and really enjoy being out in nature and so forth. And I've been out uh, working on it. Uh, just, you know, kind of tweaking it as we as we like to do, making it our own and and, uh, you know, just uh, adjusting this and doing that and uh, maybe putting in an extra shelf here and uh, on and on and on to really make it feel like home away from home. And when I'm doing that, I just feel so I feel so good. There's just a, a, a piece about that and uh, not because I am almost 60, mind you. But because my body, my physical body, tells me you need to be careful with some of the things you're doing, you need to take it slow. The old adage in, in, uh, in uh, carpentry or pretty much anything, measure twice, cut once, so you don't end up having to do it over and over and over again. <laughs> um, I really, I adhere to that. And so for me, I don't know about you, uh, Elliot, but for me, when when I am in that space or as they say in sports in that zone it just feels it just feels so good can you talk to us about that aspect of saying yes to life 
Yes, the, that's really what it's all about, is getting into that zone. Um, and I think we go into that zone when we go beyond the monkey mind and beyond the judgments, and we take the pathway to the heart. Um, I feel like the pathway to the heart can sometimes be gradual, at least I guess it was for me. Um, for some people, maybe it is a flash of lightning or a tornado experience, and the next day they're a new person. But for me, um, I've been more and more receptive to living in the zone that you're talking about and living in my heart um, and being aware of my heart, even my physical heart, uh, throughout the day. Um, it's been a gradual journey of baby steps, and sometimes the baby steps are what get you there and what's powerful. Um, I don't have a formula or a recipe or a how-to for that, um, certainly nature, I imagine, is very important to your experience and very supportive of it. Uh, nature is something that I think all of us as humanity need to be getting more of. <laughs> um, but in any event, um, one of the things that um, I like to think about when it comes to cultivating living in the heart and, and supporting that uh, journey from the mind to the heart, I like to think of the heart as a garden. And I like to think of certain attitudes or, or inner postures as fertilizers. I'm very much interested in fertilizing the garden of the heart. Uh, one of the fertilizers, just to give you an example, is um, discernment, uh, which is sort of the opposite of judgment. Um, and I like to make discernment come alive as opposed to theoretical by just asking you, if you will, to imagine you've got a lot of sand, a handful of sand, so there's a lot of sand in, your in one of your hands. And you look at the sand and you notice that it has some gold nuggets in it, some bits and pieces of gold. You let all of the sand just flow through your fingers and the gold remains without the sand hiding it. Uh, that's what discernment's all about. Or, or you could imagine yourself with a metal detector on a beach and there's metal hiding into the sand, and your metal detector will, um, will detect it. Discernment and detection are very similar. So we're becoming receptive um, and open to the glory within us, to the heart within us, to um, the magnificence. Uh, and discernment, I think, is really the, one of the pathways to getting into the heart and having more awareness of the glory within us. There are other um, fertilizers, too, which I can talk about later if you'd like. Absolutely. And uh, we're going to continue our conversation here with Elliot uh, Robertson. He is the author of Say Yes to Life, and we encourage you to go to the website, which is sayyestolifebook.com. Uh, he also has a website uh, where he talks about the coaching work that he does that I that we have uh, uh, sort of begun to talk about. Uh, ElliotRobertsonCoach.com is that website. And we will be linked to the Say Yes to Life website. We certainly have the, the where you can uh, get a copy of the book. And there is a link to the other website as well. And we encourage you to stay with us here on Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, and I ask you to stay Stay right where you are. Just say yes to staying right where you are. We'll be right back. Tell me your stories. I'll do my best to understand you. Welcome back to 
Tell me your story, new paradigms for a new world. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And uh, we are thankful that you have chosen to say yes and stay with us here on the program as we continue talking with our very special guest who has written a book about saying yes to life. Say Yes to Life is the title of the book. SayYesToLifeBook.com is the website. And Elliot Robertson coach.com is the other website. We'll get into that as well. Uh, Elliot, I would like to talk to you a little bit about these seven steps, uh, if you will. Uh, the, 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 the aspect thereof, the seven keys, I guess I should say, to living full out from within. Now, when I think of keys, uh, I think that these keys probably fit a lock somewhere something is locked and we need each one of these keys to unlock the box the door whatever it is you know uh, safety deposit box what have you so let's talk about these seven keys if we can uh in in that uh, in that framework of uh our uh, as you phrase it here again living full out well, yes um, I've never thought of them in terms of unlocking something. I mean, it's obvious that keys unlock things. I did have a thought after it got published. Sometimes authors come up with titles after the book gets published. In this case, a an alternate subtitle that came to me was um, Seven Pathways from the Head to the Heart. Mm. And so perhaps uh, when we talk about um, using the keys to unlock something, it's sort of freeing us from the monkey mind, the ego, the judgments. Uh, and when we get free from that, what's left, uh, when that fades away, is the glory and the, uh, the heart and the compassion. Um, so I'm not sure if I really have seven distinct boxes uh, <laughs> in mind that we can unlock with the seven keys. Like they all might just point to the jail um, that we live in sometimes um, because of the ego and its judgments and stuff. In any event, I'm happy to talk about the seven keys sure. or the seven pathways. And by the um, way, you talk about a prison, and we're the ones that hold the key. It's not somebody else. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I feel like um, the work I do, like I was saying earlier, is um, gradual work and baby steps. Um, so you may end up reading one of the chapters in this book about one of the keys. And it might require you to go back to that um, way of standing in the world, that inner posture again and again, to continue to remind yourself to say yes to your uniqueness, for example. Just saying to yes to your uniqueness one time isn't going to wave a magic wand, in other words. Right. So these, these, you might think of these as seven practices, come to think of it, mm -hmm. you know, or seven keys. Uh, one of the keys is say yes to your uniqueness. And uh, more than any of the other keys, that one um, really is sort of the same as saying yes to who you are. Um, it's just embracing all of the unique things about you. It's just acknowledging that uh, you're the only one like you in the entire world um, and celebrating that and um, uh, being grateful for the gifts that you bring the world, the unique gifts that you bring the world. Uh, so it's just really going beyond um, the false self tendency to 
say, oh, I have nothing to offer and all of those limited beliefs and just being more honest with yourself about what's possible with God, being more honest with yourself about who you are, being uh, recognizing that, that God cannot make junk, recognizing that you were made in God's image. I know that uh, that that uh, when I was working <clears throat> for uh, a Christian radio station back in the 80s and early 90s, I was there for 15 years. Uh, I'm fast approaching that level here at the station I'm working at in Santa Barbara now. And one of the things I found so fascinating, and I, I read the Bible several times, and I, I thought, why are these people denying the reality that is spoken of in the very book that they treasure and, and cherish so much, that we are gods, that we are divine, that we are connected inseparably to that, if you will, higher power. I always thought that was so strange because it was like I could see it, but for some reason they couldn't, you know, and that I always used to hear the phrase, uh, the, 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 the sermons about how lowly we were, how, you know, because we're born with, as, as the philosophy goes, we're born with original sin, right? And without the sacrifice, you know, we all go to hell. And I thought, well, that doesn't make any sense. I, I, I began to look at it from this perspective. We had to have been priceless, invaluable for, the, you know, again, this is if you accept that the premise of the philosophy for that sacrifice to have even been offered. Right. We had to have had value. So now we're even more esteemed, more priceless, more valuable than ever before. And, and that's one of the things that, again, I found so interesting uh, in terms of how that has how that's escaped that particular uh, that particular arena, if you will. And so I couldn't agree with you more that, yeah, we do need to do that. But how do we do that when we have all of these, you know, you, you, you refer to it as the monkey mind. And, of course, that's, that's not a new term. But nonetheless, uh, when we've got all of that stuff going on, we've had all of these experiences that have, in one, in, I guess in one way, uh, Elliot, have jaded us, have made us very cynical of self, very critical uh, we're our own worst critic, as the phrase goes. How do we get beyond that? What, what, what's the first step that we need to take uh, to begin that transformational process in or inwardly uh, to begin to start accepting ourselves, in, in a manner of speaking, as divine with all of the stories and all of the trauma, the emotion, that we're okay, that we really are uh, uh, a divine being deep down that immortal part of us. Where do we start? I love that question. And um, I'm, I'm thinking right this minute, I'm, I'm thinking that it may end out really being a matter of um, accepting the voice within you that is resisting, accepting um also accepting uh, the possibility that your perceptions have been incredibly wrong about the nature of the world, about the nature of yourself. So I think that one of the things we need to do is really just um, 
somehow get beyond the bubble that so many of us live in, the bubble that uh, says, this is the way it is, end of story. Uh, things are really bad. Um, I'm not really uh, very powerful. I can't really change anything. I'm just stuck with a miserable life, end of story. Um, that that needs to be um, somehow wiggled out of and expanded. Um, you know, one of the things that interests me, and, and perhaps this is one of the uh, inroads to um, bursting that bubble, one of the things I really love is um, Einstein's uh, uh, quote. He said that um, the most important question any one of us can ask ourselves or answer is, is this universe a friendly place? And um, I really feel like Anne Frank in her diary was saying, yes, the universe is a friendly place, even when she was being chased by Nazis. And I really think St. Therese of Lisieux, uh, who lost her mother when she was four, and then her older sister became her mother, and then her older sister, when she was nine, went to the convent and couldn't return. And so, uh, in a way, she lost her older sister. Um, both of them answered Einstein's question with, yes, there's more than just the mundane, basic world that I'm encountering. And um, I think that that's really kept them anchored in their hearts, kept them away from the monkey mind. Um, the, the, the size of the cosmos and um, the size of your soul uh, need to be vast, need to be more than just our daily lives. So one of the perspectives that I present to what you've just said is, if we look at the cosmos, do we view the collision of an asteroid, a meteor, a comet, whatever, into one of the other bodies that's out there, a planet, a star, uh, or another asteroid, comet, or what ha meteor, uh, do we view that as bad? No, we, we sit there and we, we're in awe. Wow, that's, that was really cool. And so when I think about the, the individuals like Anne Frank that you mentioned, I'm thinking that maybe that's a little bit of the perspective that they were taking, that this, that's not all there is. Plus the fact that, you know, this world is what it is, and I have to find a way to rise above all of this other stuff. Uh, I, I think about, <clears throat> for example, and I was thinking about this earlier, uh, uh, before our, our program started, and at the time of our conversation, we've got a, we got a a little thing, just a tiny little thing going on in Washington. But you know what really struck me uh, as I'm I'm being made aware because I don't follow this stuff. I, I just choose not to. But being made aware of what's going on uh, there in Washington, the first thought that came to me is, well, um. He brought this on himself, to which some people say, oh, no, these people did this and these people did that. And I said, no, wait a minute, no, you don't understand. He brought this on himself because he made the choices that he made that put him in this position. He made the choices that he made to say the things that he said, to do the things that he did, and so forth and so forth and so on. We, you and I, Elliot, we made choices that led us to this conversation, right? 
Is this somebody yeah. else's responsibility or somebody else's fault? Is it the PR gal that set this up for you and me? Is that her? Is it her fault or her responsibility? Absolutely not. She facilitated, but you and I made the choice to connect, right? That's right. So, so it's on us, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. It's not on. We're not victims. Do you see that that mentality is is starting to change? I thought we had shifted beyond that. I know that when I was going through personal growth programs, Elliot, that was the big deal. Victim. Oh, my parents, they did this and that and the other thing. And that's the why I'm the way I am. Then we began to work our way through a codependent, those kinds of things. And then we began to take responsibility. This was in the into the 90s. I, again, these personal growth programs I went through. They started saying, you know, look, it's not them. It's you. You made the choice. And one of the beautiful phrases they used to tell us at the beginning of these seminars, because they could see how uncomfortable many of us were. If you didn't want to be here, you wouldn't be. But obviously you want to be here because that's where you are. Um, is that part of the acceptance, if you will, of who we are is where we are and that we're the ones that I don't want to say did it to ourselves, but we're the ones who made those choices that, that have placed us where we are. I think you're talking about something that's really at the foundation, uh, the starting point of, um, the journey to happiness, if there is such a thing as a journey to happiness. Um, it really is the foundation of building a house of happiness, you might say. Um, when I was talking, uh, when we started, about how I started to take ownership, I was just swimming in a soup of bitterness all the time and jealousy all the time. And the thing that sort of rescued me from staying there, if it weren't for me coming into the awareness that... Um, if my life was going to change, it was me who was going to have to change in it, and I just had to stop blaming and complaining. I ended up taking responsibility, and that was the first thing that got me turned around and pivoting a little bit. Um, so I, I, that's really uh, – you're really pointing to something that is just absolutely necessary and essential for anyone to um, – to, uh, who wants to move in the direction of happiness mm. to embrace is um, saying, yes, I'm responsible <laughs> yeah. for where I am in my life, for what's going on, for my state of consciousness. Um, if, if I'm experiencing self-pity, um, then I need to do something about it. Nobody else can change that for me. Happiness really is an inside job. Um, there are other um, things that helped me when I was moving from bitterness into who I am today, uh, which is a bitter-free person. Another thing that I did was I ended up putting God in the center of my life. I ended up taking um, my intuition more importantly. Instead of um, just going around um, being self-centered, um, I let that sort of go to the sidelines and became much more God-centered, much less focused on, oh, my wishes and the goodies that I want in my life aren't coming my way, making those the most important thing from one minute to the next. And um, gradually 
uh, my ability to do spirits work became more important to me. Uh, my ability to uh, receive guidance and, and intuition um, became more where I was putting my focus. And that also made a tremendous difference. Now, we've talked about, of course, the inner life, uh, and you've touched upon something that I want to have you talk about more, and that is our intuition, or still small voice. Uh, someone challenged me on that uh, when I, I said that if you, if you do that, you listen to it and you follow the promptings, you know, it'll never, ta- it'll never put you in harm's way. It might challenge you. And, uh, and someone said, well, yeah, but there are some people who have lots of voices in there going on inside. Uh, and, well, th- that may be true, but that's a whole nother, I think it's a whole nother issue in one sense. Um, but, but by the same token, I think that the best test is that the the voice is not telling you to harm yourself or anyone else. Uh, it's wanting to teach you. It's wanting you to to learn, to grow, to rise above the 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 uh, minutia, if you will, of the material world. That there is more. Uh, as uh, uh, Anne Frank and the other uh, person you mentioned uh, um, talked about. Talk to us about not only, because uh, it sounds like to me it's a, a critically important, uh, how important the, the, that still small voice is uh, and how we can, um, I, I, I want to say communicate have a conversation, if you will, uh, you know, and really make it much more of a personal thing rather than just waiting for the voice to to give us directions, turn left, turn right, you know, go straight kind of thing. I love that question. And um, I'm just so happy to be having this conversation with you because you have a way of being so clear about important things like intuition. <laughs> Um, I do want to also honor the person who you were talking to, the person who said, well, some people have lots of voices in them. And that's true. And not all of those voices are necessarily your intuition. So um, there are people in the world who are good at uh, coaching you. (laughs) I don't know if I'm one of them, but uh, people like Sonia Choquette who know uh, how to help you discern which one is your intuition and which one, which voice isn't. Um, so I do want to, you know, just acknowledge that that is one of the important things going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, I do want to, um, talk a little bit about intuition. And, um, I think that when you, when you talk about personal examples, that might make it become more alive and more real. I have had so many miracles in my life, uh, involving intuition. I can't keep track of them all, but the most recent one, I suppose, um, was just uh, recently I was um, just waiting for a chance to talk with somebody, you know, an important conversation I was going to have, and uh, the hour wasn't there yet. And um, I just wanted to be in a really clear uh, space, uh, able to be articulate. Sometimes I get tongue-tied, so I was just really hoping that I would be in a peaceful space at that moment. And... um 
So anyway, uh, as I was just waiting for the time to pass, my intuition told me, why don't we have a sacred meal? Why don't you have a sacred meal? Go to the corner store um, and get a snack and a cup of tea and bring it back. Now, sacred meal is not a word I ever, ever, ever use, but that's what my intuition specified. So I was like, oh, sure, that sounds like a wonderful way to make sure that I'm in a peaceful state. And so I went out and I got a little snack. I got a cup of tea. I brought it back home and I, you know, I put it on the table and um, then I started eating the snack. I never blessed my food. But as soon as I started eating, it was like, oh, this is a sacred meal. That's right. I forgot. I have to bless the food. <laughs> that goes without saying if, if, that, if you're doing a ceremony. I never do ceremonies. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, um, I blessed the food. And as soon as I blessed the food, the intuition to- my intuition told me that it was time also to bless my body, especially my body's knowing that I'm good enough. I'm going to have to backpedal right now because I left out a very important part of the story. Mm-hmm. When I walked into the cafe, I saw some a really good-looking guy, and immediately um, I was saying, oh, my God, this guy is really good-looking, and he's good enough for um, a romantic relationship, and he's good enough for this thing and that thing across the board. And I was also implying, and I'm not. So, um, and I caught myself, I knew exactly what I was doing the moment that I started saying that. Um, And I was thinking to myself that by now I thought I had gotten over the not good enough stuff. I thought that story was a past tense story in my life. Um, And who knows, maybe it never will be. But the thing is, is that um, after I blessed the food, my intuition said to bless your body and the body's knowing that you're good enough. Not just blessing your body, but just bless the body's awareness and knowledge I never realized that my body knows I'm good enough, but that's what my intuition told me to do. So I pointed my hands towards my body, and I gave a blessing to my body for knowing that I'm good enough. And then the intuition said, bless your heart for knowing you're good enough. And next thing you know, I have my hands near my heart, and I'm saying a blessing to my heart, and to my heart's knowing that I'm good enough. And um, now I have an exercise that I can share with the world um, because my intuition gave it to me. Uh, There are really lots of other stories I could give, but um, maybe you want to move on. Well, I and that's very beautiful because it's it's uh, um, it's that still small voice uh, encouraging you, supporting you and uh, and helping you to move forward in your life in terms of the work that you are doing to try to help other people. And I think that, uh, and I, I, I sort of uh, uh, joke about this a little bit when talking with folks <clears throat> when they've, um, they've created these uh, or discovered these wonderful uh, insights, you know, and, and for example, your book, Say Yes to Life, um, uh, I, 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 I will say, so have you, have, you, uh, uh, have you achieved that which you are writing about and, and sharing with the rest of us in terms of... Always saying yes to life. I mean, is, is this now uh, something that you have integrated fully into your being and into, your every, into every moment of your life? And again, most of my guests haven't. Because they're still working on it too. And it's not because they're, they're, has nothing, they're not hypocrites. It's because just like me... They're they're working on themselves, too. They're in process. They're they're a work in progress, as it were. But isn't it that first step of becoming aware 
of whatever it is that you uh, um, uh, uh, that might be holding you back. It's becoming aware of that blockage that is the first step. And, and until you become aware that there is a blockage, you're not going to do anything, right? Absolutely. So, I, I, and I can share with you very briefly a story I've shared many times on this program about intuition. I used to bicycle everywhere, and I lived in Phoenix, and I, uh, I lived um, uh, uh, in, in the West Valley, uh, but the radio station was, uh, the broadcast site was out at the transmitter site, probably uh, uh, five, six miles uh, to, the, to the west. And I was bicycling to work like I do every day down the same path. The street, uh, street name was Van Buren. And, um, uh, I, and, and this, the, these were farm fields at that time. They were farm fields and they were about a mile square. And one day I'm traveling down the road and I get to uh, 43rd and 51st and 67th. And all of a sudden uh, at 51st Avenue, it says you need to turn right at the corner. You need to go up one mile, then turn left over a mile, then turn left again, down a mile. And then you're back on Van Buren. Continue on your way. And I'm going, you got to be kidding me. Really? And I'm thinking, no, 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 that's ridiculous because it's going to take me way out of my way. Why would I? And I went a half a mile between 51st and 67th Avenues and the prompting got stronger and stronger. It would not go. I turned around, went back the half mile, went up the mile, over the mile, down the mile, back to Van Buren and on to work. I have no clue as to why. All I know is the prompting was there, would not let go, and I finally, uh, so to speak, gave in. And maybe it was nothing more than, do you trust me? Really? Do you really trust me? And sometimes that's what the still small voice does, doesn't it? It just wants to be sure, not just that, that you're listening, but that you're going to follow. Uh, as I said before, I don't believe that the still small voice, your intuition, is going to put you in harm's way. Uh, your perspectives on that? You're absolutely right as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, we do agree on um, the your intuition being trustworthy. Um, and I also um, had an experience with trusting my intuition. Um, another one. <laughs> um, I was... What happened was I got an email from a friend. It was a group email, and he was inviting me to um, show up at a, at a the Artist Way group, uh, a group he was starting. And so um, it didn't say what day of the week it was, and I noticed that it didn't say. But I figured, okay, it's not going to be on Thursdays. Thursdays I had a group of Quakers who I was worshiping with at that time. I don't worship with Quakers anymore, but back then I did. And um, I really treasured that Thursday um, gathering. So I ended up just saying yes. I, I gave him my word. <laughs> Next thing I know, a couple weeks later, the, the group is announced and it's announced for Thursday. And um, I guess the universe knew I was going to give my word. I thought I was going to keep my word if I gave it. So I, uh, I guess this is maybe not so much intuition. Maybe it's more of a miracle story and um, the trustworthiness of the cosmos um, orchestrating things. So anyway, I ended up going to, um, I ended up showing up, I ended up announcing to my Thursday group that I would be gone away for a little while because it's a 12-week um, 
uh, adventure when you're reading um, the the artist way in a group. Mm-hmm. And um, so anyway, the thing is, is that um, when I got there and looked at uh, the artist way sitting on the coffee table, I had a vision. I never have visions. I had a vision and I took it seriously. It said the servant's way on top of it. And so I knew I had to write the book, the servant's way. So I, I've written that book as well. And, um, um, anyway, that just the fact that I ended up showing up for that instead of, Oh, it's on Thursday and I'm not going to go. Um, I really feel like I was guided. Hmm. I think that's, uh, 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 a clear sign that we are we are definitely connected. Um, I have often stated and uh, felt throughout my life that I've been in the right place at the right time. Uh, have I always listened and followed the prompting? Well, my first example there, <laughs> I was kind of pushed into that one in one sense, but it was still my choice. I mean, see, that's the other aspect of it, too, is that in spite of the fact that, or maybe because of the fact that uh, I, I received the prompting. I, it, it was still my choice to go in that particular direction. That's why I... I what are your thoughts on... Because um, I know there are a lot of people who sort of believe in predestination. Um, and then, of course, and my wife was telling me that she was talking with someone about this and that this person that she was talking with believed in predestination, you know, that our lives are planned out and so on and so forth. So she asked a very profound question to this gal and she says so what about free will and the woman had no answer and so i'm curious as to your perspective on um our purpose i'm kind of putting all of this together into one lump and having you having you maybe unpack it a little bit from your perspective saying yes to life our purpose for being here as individuals not so much as a, a species, um, and free will—the the ability for us to choose, yes, no, up, down, right, left, and so forth. That's a question I really haven't been um, thinking a lot about over the last fifty-four years of my life. <laughs> And I'm willing to um, offer some possibilities. Uh, at the same time, I'm not entirely sure uh, if anyone except for perhaps an enlightened person might be able to answer that um, with any certainty. I don't know. Maybe some people can, and it's just me. I, I really don't know. Um, but I would like to just conjecture that um, we do have a purpose or an agreement or or something um, that we have agreed to or that has been promised to us before we were born, that there may be something that awaits us that's already sort of determined or at least a possibility or a probability. Um, and, of course, I'm just sort of guessing uh, at what the way the universe might be arranged. Who knows? And at the same time, um, I wonder if, um, free will is really the bottom line all the time. So whether or not uh, the um, um, possibility of uh, achieving such and such or giving such a gift um, or being a wonderful mother, if that's what the, what the plan is, whether or not that unfolds, um, the, the free will always, I think, uh, gets the final say. 
Um, I do think we're in an interesting era um, right now. I think that we are in a time when people are going to be um, prizing um, their free will more. And, and uh, when I mean that, when I say that, I, what I mean is um, prizing their capacity to um, agree with God's point of view, um, to do God's will, to make their free will align with um, what they're here to do. I really think that um, this new era has come, and um, it's time for us to start um, making God's will more important than making a good appearance, or more important than um, making a good impression, or people-pleasing, or all the other things that um, we've made more important in the past. Mm. It makes me uh, reminds me of the interconnectedness that we have and the analogy of um, uh, Star Trek character that Roddenberry created. I don't know that he intended it to be viewed this way, but that's the way I see it. Uh, the Borg, made up of individuals from all over the universe, uh, but they're all interconnected via, shall we say, Wi-Fi. <laughs> uh, but each one of them is carrying out a different task. Each one is doing something totally different from all of the others, and yet they all work in unison to accomplish a, a, a particular goal, maybe of repairing, repairing the ship and what have you. And I see us in that same way, that you're writing a book called Say Yes to Life, and I'm doing these interviews, and I've done a book called Choices, and and a bunch of other things, and then working with people, and and then there's somebody else doing their thing, and on and on and on, and everybody's doing something different. But if they're on purpose, if they're living their life's purpose, or living full out, as you say, um, something is being created collectively. We don't see it. Uh, it's, it's like that story of... Um, uh, a group of, of of blind people or blindfolded people, and uh, they are asked to reach out and touch this thing. And each one describes what they're touching, and yet they're all touching the same thing. Uh, but they all have a different perspective. And, of course, that's what we try to present on this program is different perspectives, different points on that circle, if you will. And the more points we move around on, the greater our perspective is, the better our understanding uh, but the first place, it sounds to me like what you are encouraging people to do is place themselves in the center of that circle and then move around that circle if, you know, uh, it's to see who they really are from as many different perspectives, to get an understanding of who they really are. And uh, we are grateful uh, to you for sharing with us this perspective. I want to know, too, about your philosophical underpinnings, if you will. Uh, where, where did you start from 50, 52, 53 years ago, if you will, uh, philosophically? Where were your beginnings? Oh, uh, you know... Um one of the one of my beginnings was um, when I received the book as a gift um, from by Alan Watts, his autobiography, and it's called In My Own Way. And um, I just decided when I was seventeen, and when I was reading that autobiography, I don't remember anything except the title. 
um, I just decided that in my own way is everyone's life story. Everyone needs to write an autobiography named in my own way. And um, a corollary of that, you know, what goes along with that is that we do have over a billion, over 7 billion religions on the planet. Uh, I love emphasizing the uniqueness that like you were doing a moment ago um, about how we have a circle and each one has their own unique perspective and it enriches all of our perspectives when mm -hmm. we share all of that. Um, more recently, um, that 17-year-old um, um, insight about In My Own Way has sort of grown. It, it really was a sensibility throughout my life in terms of appreciating interspirituality. And um, there was a moment a number of years ago when I was just walking through my friend's house uh, and I just saw a spot of the picture of Kuan Yin. I didn't know for sure if it was Kuan Yin. And immediately I fell in love with Kuan Yin. <laughs> um, so it was my first time seeing a visual of Kuan Yin and um, it just really struck my heart and she's been important in my life ever since then. Mm -hmm. um, I've had moments in my journey where I have had resistance to Jesus, uh, where I have been not wanting to call myself a Christian. And at this point, I would say that my deepest um, experience, my, my deepest um, place along the journey would be the Christian uh, mm -hmm. tradition. Um, and the deeper I go with Christianity, I, I feel the deeper I go with all of the religions and stuff, including perhaps the religions from other planets. Um, I came up with a vision not too long ago of a tree, and we can call the tree religion or truth or whatever you want to call it. And um, it has lots of roots, and some of the roots are Christian roots, some are Jewish, some are Hindu. And I don't want to leave out the intergalactic roots from <laughs> planet Pallades or whatever. So there are countless roots, um, mm. countless religions. And it really doesn't matter, uh, I guess, which roots um, you end up spending your time in. The deeper you go in those roots, um, the deeper you go in all of the roots, I think. I think I would agree with you. I, I loved what um, I love what the, the Baha'is say and uh, their founder, Baha'u'llah, who said uh, that uh, if, you, uh, if you accept one of the messengers of God, you accept them all. And if you reject one of the messengers of God, you reject them all. Uh, and uh, not to throw a monkey wrench into your perspective on Christianity per se, uh, but I always found this rather interesting because uh, Jesus, who uh, Christians follow, wasn't a Christian. He was a Jew. So if I was going to follow Jesus, I should be a Jew. I love that. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I was re reading some scripture that's called A Course of Love, and I was reading, um, which is by Jesus, mm -hmm. channeled through somebody. And I was reading the part in that book where he talks about the creation story, and he's talking about the Genesis version of the creation story. And he says, in the tradition that I was raised in when I was on planet Earth, something like that. And what happened was um, I ended up thinking, wow, yeah, he really was a Jew. And I also, what came to me, um, I don't know how it's related, but what came to me was a vision that's really radical. I, I, I go to Episcopal Church, and so I go to the rail, and I get the, the bread of Christ, the bread of heaven, and I get the drink every week. And I just love that. I don't know why. I just love bringing that into me. And I, my vision was of Jesus kneeling next to me, receiving the bread of heaven, mm. and the body and the blood of Christ. Both of us. Yeah. Uh, because we, we all need, as humans, we all need the Christ within us. So um, 
anyhow, uh, another thing that comes to mind um, when you were talking about the circle and the uniqueness, and, and also it relates to all of this as well, I suppose, is um, I don't know if you know Net, but Net is a bunch of jewels. I, maybe it's a Hindi thing, I don't know. It's a bunch of jewels uh, throughout the cosmos. And you are a jewel, and I'm a jewel, and everyone is a jewel. Mm-hmm. And all of the jewels reflect all of the other jewels. So that really testifies to how everybody on planet Earth is reflected in me, is, is me. There, there is that oneness that mm-hmm. I am everyone. Yeah. So if I'm doing something um, bad to somebody else, I'm doing something bad to myself as well. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I absolutely right, absolutely right. And it's one of the reasons why I worked so hard back in 2017 to... to get out of the mindset that I had been drawn into in September of 2016. Uh, it's like, this isn't doing me any good, and it's not helping the overall dynamics of the planet, let alone the country. And so I began working through very, several phases, uh, finally reaching the point of uh, uh, just asking the question, uh, what what is it that you're so afraid of? That makes you behave this way. Now, that question is pointed both at me, but also outwardly at uh, other individuals that that have vexed me <laughs> in that fashion that I don't want to be vexed by anymore. And so uh, I, uh, I I went through that, those phases in my life to move forward from a lot of this stuff and realize that we're all here. Where, as you said, I love that uh, aspect of how we're all jewels and we're reflecting one another. And, um, that, that, you know, that's, that to me is just an extraordinary thing. Before we let you go, let me ask you one final question in regards to your book here in, in reference to especially the title. And we do a lot of defining of terms and you kind of helped us to understand yes. And what that's all about. What about life? What is from your perspective, in saying yes to life, what is life? It's the life force within you. It's, um, it's the, it's, yeah, I guess you could say it's the opportunity to show up on planet Earth. Mm-hmm. For us Earthlings, that's what it is. Um, it's, it's, it really is a treasure. It's just a treasure. Yeah. Elliot Robertson, I want to thank you so much, so much for joining us here on the program, sharing with us Say Yes to Life uh, and the Seven Keys uh, to Living Life Full Out uh, from Within. And we encourage folks to go to the website SayYesToLifeBook.com as well as Elliot Elliot Robertson Coach.com. My mind went blank there for a moment and I don't know why. ElliotRobertsonCoach.com. And, uh, of course, uh, at the SayYesToLifeBook.com, uh, there is also a link to that website as well. So we encourage you to, to go there. We will be linked to your website as well, Elliot. Uh, and we greatly appreciate the time that you've given us, as well as extending to you an invitation. Uh, should you find yourself out here in Santa Barbara, we'd love to have you in studio to continue this conversation. I think that there's still more that we could uh, we could uh, discuss uh, in the in this area uh, because uh, we're going to be, so to speak, uh, hammering this this message home over and over and again throughout 2020, the year of perfect vision, so that people will begin, I hope, sooner rather than later to search within to find the answers that they need within 
because no other person, no other human being can give you those answers. They might give you confirmation of what you already know, but you're the one that has the answers. And we appreciate the fact that you have provided confirmation for us of much of what we already know. And again, I thank you so much for that. I'm so very grateful for the chance to be talking with you. I have three final questions for you before we let you go, but I want to remind our listeners that if you're listening to the radio broadcast, that you want to go to the podcast and listen to the entire interview. I think that you're going to find it very fascinating and informative and lots of fun, too. We've, we've had, a, I, I think we've had some, some fun here on the program as we try to do, not get real serious. And uh, that's part of what this life is about, is experiencing that happiness or that joy, uh, as you've talked about, Elliot. Uh, and then, of course, if you want to go to Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Blueberry, and a bunch of other places folks are linking us to. And uh, in a future program, folks, I am going to go down the laundry list, so to speak, of the various countries that are listening to us. Spain is one of them. Of course, the United States is, is the largest. Uh, it's just I am f- just uh, in awe of all of the diverse places in this world where our program is being heard by people. And I thank you for uh, listening to this program here. Uh, Tell me your story, New Paradigms for a New World. Elliot, first of three, the first question is, who is Elliot Robertson? Um, I have no idea. (laughs) Because I'm um, on the constant journey of discovering how beautiful my heart is. And I'm in the constant journey of um, saying yes to who I am and, and discovering more and more, just like a rose is always unfolding. And I've just barely started to begin in that unfolding process. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you are doing now? I want to uplift people and, um, Either that or maybe it would be more precise to say I want to set people free to uplift themselves. I want to uh, encourage people and inspire people to um, discover more of who they are. And finally, what is your life's purpose? I'm here to work with people on a soul level in ways that are uplifting Elliot Robertson, author of Say Yes to Life. We encourage you to go to the website, sayyestolifebook.com, as well as elliotrobertsoncoach.com. And uh, as I said, we will be linked to that the website. And uh, again, please continue your evolutionary process, folks. And thank you very much for listening to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Until next time, love to lol.